Hey everyone, welcome to Get Into It, where we do just that. I'm Jordan Rice. And I'm Ambry. And today we are taking you guys' questions. Oh my gosh, we had this anonymous um, website in which you can ask us questions about Blackness or Black people, and we're going to answer them today. Okay, so the first one's a doozy. Um, Okay, throughout grade school education, what feelings or thoughts come up during the Civil War unit or the Civil Rights Movement unit in history class? It's a three-part question, actually. So let me start with the first part. Oh, okay. So that one? Um, okay. So for me, I was only taught history by white teachers until 10th grade. And that was a world history class. So we didn't really focus on America or anything like that. But ever since then, and all before then, it was just like white teachers teaching me history. And so when we get to the civil rights movement, because I don't, I don't know about a lot of black people, but for me, my parents taught me all this stuff before I went to school because they knew the school system wouldn't do it justice, you know? Um, And so I'm just sitting here like listening to my teachers mispronounce like key figures or like organizations that were part of the movement. And then I'm just feeling uncomfortable because I don't want to be disrespectful and correct them, but you know, they're saying it wrong and then (laughs) and then you know the people around me it's just a bunch of white kids and they're just all looking at you like yeah uh uh-huh you know civil rights you know yeah and I'm like oh okay so it just always it was just always this uncomfortable feeling like I felt like I had to become the teacher almost Mm. which which sounds so stupid but like I legit had oh and god bless this man because he was the best history teacher I've ever had and I loved loved his class and one of my favorite teachers ever and he was like Jordan if I say something wrong or do something you know inappropriately or whatever in regards to this unit please correct me and I was like one I appreciated him saying it and everything like that because you know white man in the south teaching a history class you know yeah but it was also kind of like why do you put that on you yeah yeah I don't know it just it it just it was kind of weird because I was like you don't ask the other kids to, you know, correct you. Like, I'm supposed to come for you for information. Yes. It was just that. That's kind of weird. What about you? Yeah, it's kind of like a lack of safety in the classroom. It's like when you really learn how, like, subjective people view history. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst thing. You're not supposed well, I guess in some ways you can interpret history subjectively. But for the most part, you're supposed to give us information objectively as a teacher, right? And then open open it up to questions and conversations when it is, in fact, subjective. So the way that they taught it was like they tried to make it seem like it was very objective information. um, But that wasn't that wasn't (laughs) that wasn't the case. Um, I remember like specifically being taught that like the um, Emancipation Proclamation was uh, signed in 1865, which is not right. It's actually 1863. I was gonna say what? Oh yeah, so yeah, with the Emancipation Proclamation eight of 1865, that's what I was taught. That that's how they said it. They said that was that was end all be all. But in fact, it was it was signed in 1863. But it took two years for slaves in Texas to to be told that they were the last crew and union ship had to come right. and tell them that they were emancipated emancipated hence juneteenth yeah. but like we weren't right and we weren't taught that like that you juneteenth it wasn't a concept that was um was was talked about in education i remember learning about juneteenth outside as of, a child uh, yeah outside of uh academia and that's a disservice because you literally just lied <laughs> i feel like yeah they i mean it's they 
Yeah. The second part of this question says, do you dissociate with the stories and historical events because of the difference in time period, or is there always a level of personal discomfort? Mm. What you think? What you think? What I think? Okay. I just, I gotta really think about this one. Um, I, I, I would love, I would love nothing more than to say that this is very far removed from what is affecting the world today. I would love to say that the civil rights movement is something of the past and we've all grown and that we're thinking we're only like talking about it so that we don't repeat the mistakes. I would love to have that feeling. Oh, what a dream. But alas, (laughs) I I don't have that luxury. Um, when, when When the civil rights movement comes up, it is always always incredibly frustrating um and um disappointing to see these these uh these pictures these stories these speeches and hear them and and know that this could be copy and pasted to a speech from a black lives matter posted uh protest and you know nothing would it would still make sense you know this is it's it's not it's there's not much i could say that we've grown from and that's the saddest part about sitting through like the civil rights movement unit and the civil war unit it's like these sentiments these little these little weird things that have happened these these ideologies are still around and thriving um and what have we done it's just incredibly depressing to sit through that and know that it's we really haven't grown that much how about you jordan yeah so like there was never a time when we talked about black history in class like I said, where I didn't feel like I had to be a teacher and I didn't feel like I had to, to, you know, put on the face for the entire black race. Like they would look at like my student, the students around me, like my classmates and like my teachers would just look at me with like uh, this weird sense of like pity, like, Oh, poor Jordan Mm -hmm. descendant of slaves. Yeah. And then there would also be this thing like, but we're so, but we accomplished 1963 and the 1964, the voting rights act passed and the civil rights act passed. And now we are perfect. And we're just, be bopping on and it's like i i have no choice and students black students have no choice but to see themselves in that textbook yep they have no choice but to do so but it's because that's the only time you really see yourself right they don't they don't talk about uh the beauty that it was the african continent you know we we, oh my god yep we only talk about black plight in the in the scope of america and what america has done to us so Mm -hmm. when we see black people we're literally always like under the foot of somebody else they don't they don't show us as regal or us when we're thriving it's usually us being you know hosed down by the police yeah yeah yep okay so (laughs) the next question from the third part yeah yeah sorry the third part of this question What's the most insensitive commentary you've heard in history class on those topics? So I have a list. <laughs> and like, as we're talking, I just keep adding stuff to the list. Like when you said Africa, that just sent me. So I was told that the, the Confederate flag is not racist. Ow. I'm, no, I'm just going to list them out. Uh, Confederate flag wasn't racist. Um, someone defaced Abraham Lincoln in our textbook with devil horns. Oh, uh, I cannot make this stuff up. That is crazy. They taught me in elementary school that slaves were not treated poorly and that most people in the South did not own slaves. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> uh, I was in class and, like, the, the, the teachers, I guess, like, over the intercom wanted to, like, 
show their black like show like they are culturally aware and they would do these black history facts like one a day like at the end of the day during the month and these kids behind me start talking about how black history month and them talking about these black men and women who invented these great things that we use today that save lives um was an attack on whiteness and that it's racist oh. because we don't talk about how henry ford was a white man but we have to talk about how the guy who made the traffic like uh mr morgan was a black man and how the person that made the heart different okay and okay <laughs> And then um, another thing was my teacher in seventh grade, which is world religion. No, it's world, it's world, uh, like history. You have to learn about Asia and Africa and basically places that aren't the U.S. Mm -hmm. And for every unit, she took a lot of time with it, showed us a bunch of videos, really made sure we understood the, like the cultural significance and everything. And we got to the Africa unit. She said, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. This is a very boring and slow unit. You're not going to oh. have to memorize that much. Um, it's going to be an easy test. And yeah. So those are the things that I could think about off the top. <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> that is so crazy. I, and I'm pretty sure there's more. I'm pretty sure there's like several. And I did, those are just the ones that came to my mind. Here's the funny thing. My brain is powerful in that she has created a survival instinct in which every time I'm in a social social studies or history class, I don't remember a darn thing after I walk out because I know that I'm in a room full of conservative white folks and I didn't, I didn't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I know. That's, that's crazy, Jordan. I, I I feel like, I feel like I'm going to go up through this, like the rest of the questions that we asked and just think about, Oh yeah, this one, that's a thing. But like, I think the things that I said speak for themselves. But whenever we talked about black stuff, which is not viewed as American history, it's viewed as black stuff. There is a lack of sensitivity, a lack of compassion, a lack of empathy, and a lack of self-reckoning on the white person's part. Wow. Because She said it. (laughs) I mean, I'm just going to be honest because like, when we talked about other people's issues, which I'm not going to compare, you know, trauma and injustice because it sucks no matter, like across the board, but there was a, a, a care and there was this, this push to let us know how wrong this was and how, how, how troubling this was and how we must grow from this and how this was so wrong. And then we got to the black stuff. It was like, yeah, these people are slaves. They're not slaves anymore. We're free. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So that's that's how I felt about school in terms of, you know, being the black one, being the only cookie in the jar, as my friend says. Yeah. <laughs> Beautifully said. Beautifully tied up. Love that. Okay, so the next question is, I understand the cultural significance of braids. Is there any way I can wear them without appropriating them or just leave it? Here is the thing, love. Um, <laughs> I would say this. We don't have control over you. You are an autonomous human being. You make your own choices. You do you. But let me, let me, let me, let me warn you. Let me, let me tell you. That they, pe- people are going to look at you a little crazy if you are a white girl with box braids. We have no ownership over braids, right? We, we, there's no legality involved when it comes to cultural appropriation. Nobody can sue you. Nobody can call the police on you. It's just a matter of how you want to be perceived. So if you want to be perceived as somebody who, you know, um, 
Hi, this is somebody. I'm just tackling. I'm sorry. <laughs> who, who doesn't necessarily care. Um, if you want to be perceived as somebody who, you know, it's, I, I honestly don't know what else to say. If you don't, you just, you just want to look like that, that's your business. Because nobody can come for you. But I'm going to warn you, because I'm a good person, that people are going to look at you a certain way. Box braids are just not. Um, this is just one example. I know you were talking about other types of braids, but box braids and cornrows, corn yeah, <laughs> things like that, are very specific to the Afrocentric hair. She, 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 she supports that. It doesn't support your hair. So me looking out for you because you know I'm a good person. I'm saying for the safety of your own head, don't do it. <laughs> and what she means by that is non-black hair. <laughs> hair that doesn't have a kink or a nap to it uh it doesn't receive <laughs> the, the braids yeah. in a positive way like i just i just remember remember when all these white girls were getting it done and then when they took it down they're like my hair is falling out well sis you know and it's like just... it, it so you say you understand the cultural significance so i'm not gonna get into that Personally, if I were if I were you, I would tread lightly. Um, I would, because like no one's saying you can't wear a Dutch braid or a French braid or. That's what I'm saying. White you know? women, I I believe in you. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think that you can look up a picture of a white woman in the '60s and slay it. I truly believe it. I see that the hairstyles that y'all have, the job created. I you know what? It's cute. It's cute, and I don't understand why y'all don't like to dip into that. Why are you dip into that? Why are you dipping your toe in the black pool? I just don't understand. Because it's, it's genuinely this, it's not, I'm, I'm not getting angry. I just want to say, I just, I'm not getting angry at you. This is not me angry. I'm just passionate about this it. This is not I, black rage. This is black this is passion. This <laughs> is not black rage. I'm not angry at you, whoever asks. I'm saying that it's exactly what you said. Just proceed with caution. Honestly, it, it's, it's just, I can't stop you if you want to. Um, but I wouldn't advise it because I don't really see a way in which you can wear it without coming off as somebody who's culturally culturally appropriating. Yeah. Okay. Next question. It says, (laughs) I have attended a lot of protests, but I'm always unsure as to what to do with the power fist. Sometimes black leaders tell everyone to throw up their fist, but I've read a lot from others that the black power fist should be reserved for black people. I always just do what the leaders tell me to but I wanted to hear your thoughts. Personally, at a protest, and I'm going to speak for me, me, Jordan Rice, not another black person, not, you know, this is the black, you know, mandate, the black okay to do it. Yeah, that goes for everything we were saying right now. Yes, for everything. Yeah. Um, But for me, at a protest, it doesn't bother me because, you know, we're there for a common goal. It's in the spirit of solidarity. I get that. I will say that when I'm just, you know, minding my business, you know, a black person just out in the world and I see, you know, like a white person looks at me and they just put up a power fist. That makes me uncomfortable. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that, like I, I, excuse me, any non-black person, even a black, if a black person did that, I'd be like, all right, my brother, but like, what's wrong, you know? And I do Not it. My but, brother. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, it's just... I think there's a time and a place for everything. And, you know, if you're at a protest and they say do it, if you feel so inclined to do it, do it. If you don't, if it makes you uncomfortable, then I, you know, don't, you don't have to do it. But um, yeah, that's how I feel. If I, if you, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
But this one, I, I don't have like a solid opinion. I for sure can't generalize what I'm about to say because I don't, I don't know. I feel like it differs with every black person. Right. Um, and you just honestly, and to that, you have to respect that because everybody has a different connection to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I, I guess it's an overarching theme that we're angry and that we deserve better, and we're just um, in pain. But again, people have different. I don't know strings to these these, these um, topics. So if if you are holding the black power fist with somebody, like with an entire group, I don't personally see that as an issue. Um, if the, again the leader is telling you, I don't see how that would be um, an issue. But you have to respect if somebody finds that an issue. You know, like I, I know that's kind of like unfair in some ways, but like come on now they're going through it they're going through it because <laughs> the, the world today i think you can handle a little bit of pushback if somebody is upset with you um holding the black power fist and just just don't if that's like the person, <laughs> yeah. if somebody tells you just don't i i honestly i don't know which kind of um piggybacks on the next question when does allyship cross the line <sighs> um for you for you for amber because again yeah. it's different for everybody different for everybody um for me i think that allyship crosses the line when you are overstepping your bounds i think that what does that mean overstepping is when you are fabricating your own narrative from whatever um activism you're trying to do it's when you try to take out the people who are literally being prosecuted um for their activism and you take yourself out of that and you become the figure you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that is you know say, coming up with the point saying what saying whatever you feel necessary rather than um speaking purely from the mission statements of this <laughs> movement yeah. you're speaking from your own personality which is a problem because you can't do that you as an ally you're not getting persecuted nearly as hard as people who are actually in the movement and in the community in which they're advocating yeah right they are literally getting put on the fbi watch list and you cannot you can't you can't deny the fact that you know they are getting severely hurt and you might also get like arrested or something or you know other things rubber bullets all these things but but it's just that's but that's the movement right that's across the bear but yeah, that's my answer. Let me stop. Go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said. I really don't have anything much to add to that because I feel like you nailed it. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. You know, just make sure that you're not louder than the people who are oppressed. Oh, and okay, just hit me. Just came in my spirit. Um, I don't, do not correct the people of the group Ooh. that you're, you know, an ally to. Yeah. And I, 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 I see that a lot. Like people are critiquing the way and just in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement, how some Black creators or Black, you know, individuals are expressing their frustration, or if they're choosing not to speak about it publicly or things like that. And as an ally, it is not your place, in my opinion, to critique what they do or do not do. Yes. Because like Ambry said earlier, everyone's experiencing this in a different way. Um, and it's not up to you to police how people experience this correct because you could you could be an oxford scholar you could be a harvard grad and know everything about uh uh racism 
in um, black oppression in a in a textbook sense. sense. But there's nothing that you you can really you can't fight somebody who has experience, right? Even if they're not the most eloquent person, they're still more fit um, to to talk about their experience than you to talk about something you read off of a textbook or a uh, subtweet <laughs> or a Instagram post. So just keeping that in mind, yeah. and that, that's it, you know? Okay, moving on to the next question. What should non-Black POCs keep in mind when being allies? Everything we just said. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, I, I really don't have anything else. The only thing about. I'd add is just, just, this goes for us too. Mm. This goes for me and Jordan, because we, uh, we were both allies to, you know, other POCs <laughs> groups. Well, just know that we're all coming from different experiences experiences i cannot say that i understand what a um i don't know asian woman has gone through in america just as an asian woman can't say what i've gone through in america as a black woman you see it's just though we are all suffering under different systems of oppressions they are in fact different different Mm -hmm. systems so you can't use your experience to um uh invalidate mm -hmm, mine mm -hmm. all right last Last question. question Can white people ever truly be good allies? And when I read this question, I was like, oh, they trying to get us. <laughs> um, for sure, because this, it's a toughie. Um, for me, and it, I'll tell you why it's tough for me. Because I see a lot of, I'm just going to speak personally in my life. I'm not going to speak for, you know, white America, but I'm going to speak for the white people in my life. We, I feel like there's the word allies being thrown around and claimed a lot. And I feel like there people aren't really doing the work. Uh-huh. For me, a good ally, a good white ally, a white person who's trying to be an ally, I need you to, yes, come to the protest. Or I'd like you, yeah, do all these things, you know, post about, um, you know, the injustice, call these people, petition, do all this stuff, donate, be that person. But I also need you to understand that you are not exempt from racism. And even if you don't think that you're racist, you benefit from this system of racism. Mm-hmm. And I need you to claim it. And I need you to think about where in your life has, has your privilege gotten you? Mm-hmm. And think about how has your privilege impacted other people? Because, you know, if you were clueless before this whole movement, I guarantee you there are multiple points in your life where your whiteness negatively impacted a person of color. I guarantee you there is. And it might not have been your intention, mm-hmm. but that is what happened. So I need you to sit back and look at, yes, you can be down. I am so glad that y'all, that there, there's an influx of white people trying to be allies. I love that. I think it's perfect. I think it's great. But I think we need to understand that just because you post this stuff and just because you're petitioning this stuff and just because you're doing all this stuff, that doesn't negate the fact that you have racist tendencies. If you are born in America as a white person, you have racist tendencies Ooh. because everything you've been taught since your conception has been influenced by systemic racism. Wow. That is just a fact. She said it. And okay. I need you to understand that dismantling, first of all, identifying and dismantling your own racism, one is a process. Two, it does not make you a racist like I feel like that's the misconception that like if I've done racist things in my life I'm just the KKK leader like that's not what anyone is saying I think I think I need you to listen to POCs I need you to listen to the people that have been oppressed by people who look like you and I need you to sit with it and figure out where in my life have I contributed 
have I been uh, complicit into this system called racism? Because you've you've been complicit before. Beautifully said. That's that's what it is for me. That's mm-hmm. what it is for me. The the question said, ever truly be good allies? Mm-hmm. That is what a good white ally looks like to Jordan Rice. That's all I got to say. Was, <laughs> I ain't got nothing else. That was beautifully said. I hope somebody would say, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> this is what I need to do. This is not, this is not my mission in life. I, I hope somebody listening, it was, you know, really took that to heart. Because that that's 100% the truth. Um, an ally is only there to ensure that they can, or a white ally, I should say, is only there to ensure that they use their privilege to defend and assist the affected community. You are not there. Boop, that mm-hmm. part. You're not there to be the the spokesperson. You're not there to stand out. Really, honestly, you're there to just be a part, a soldier in this army. Honestly, you're there to be mm-hmm. a body, yep. so that there's there's a sea of bodies, right? So that it looks like what everybody's thinking so there's your your physical being at this protest is representing the thoughts and feelings of people in america right that's what you're there for yeah you know mm-hmm. this is not it is not a, a way for you to climb climb a social ladder right that's also mm-hmm. something that you have to be aware of as a white ally i was gonna say to hear more about that part, ah! this is our episode oppression isn't a trend yes. because we talk about all of that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so this is a an episode we loved hearing from you guys and answering your questions if you disagree with us on something please let us know we'd love to have a discussion about it or if you want to ask a question uh the link for uh that we used for this is still in our instagram bio at get into it underscore podcast or you can dm us your questions you can leave us a message on our anchor um and yeah we love to hear from you we love these questions and who knows we might do it again sometime if you ask us your questions we'd love to make this a series this is fun (laughs) (laughs) that was the episode for this week thank you so much for listening i'm jordan rice i'm ambry bye see you next week (laughs) 